Happy Easter to every single one of you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that's exactly why we're here today. To celebrate and to give thanks to Jesus Christ. The one who, the son of God who came to earth to show us how he intended life to be lived. He wasn't just born at Christmas time and then sort of treaded water for 33 years waiting to die on the cross. Uh Uh-uh. That whole 33-year life he was spending showing us how he intended life to be lived. And then he died. The pure and spotless, unblemished son of God. He died in my place. He died for me, for you, for all of humanity. And then a miraculous thing happened. On that first Easter, he rose from the dead. He rose He rose from the dead, and he lives today, and he's inviting every single person on planet Earth into this eternal relationship with him, this relationship that starts right here and right now, which really means that the future starts now, doesn't it? The future starts now. When I was in seventh grade, I had literally one of the greatest disappointments of my entire life on Christmas Eve of my seventh grade year, 1987, I think it was. I was so disappointed I didn't have any idea what I was going to do with my little seventh grade self. I was about this, maybe like this tall or so in seventh grade. I was a late bloomer. Maybe something like this happened to you. The practice at the Hopkins house, it was just my brother and I at the time who lived at home with mom and dad. We hadn't yet adopted my sister, mom dad, me, my brother. The practice at our house was on Christmas Eve to open one single present from under the tree. Did your family torture you similarly? (laughs) Parents, are you still torturing your kids to this very day? Yep, I am too. It really is torture, cruel and unusual punishment, the Christmas Eve one open rule. But at my house, it didn't matter that I thought it was torture. It was the law of the land It's just the way it was. There wasn't a thing I could do about it except play by the rules. And so I did. I played very much by the rules. For me, that meant that which present I chose to open on Christmas Eve became this very momentous decision, right? I worked on it for weeks. Every single time my mom would wrap a new gift for me and put it out under the tree, I would go and I would very carefully inspect it for its Christmas Eve opening potential. Did you do that? I mean, seriously, you can't just waste the Christmas Eve open, I call it, and tear into something pathetic like clothing, right? That's a bummer of a Christmas Eve, right? What a waste of an incredible opportunity to open something lame and not have anything cool to do on Christmas Eve, and then like to have to wait a whole overnight, to have to wait a whole like 12 hours until you got to open the rest of your... I mean, the stakes of this decision are sky high. You cannot blow this opportunity It was a decision that required deep thought, careful analysis, and so I did that. Present by present by present in the weeks leading up to Christmas Eve, I would take each gift, I would analyze every single one of them. I would scope out carefully the weight, the size, the type of wrapping, even sniffing them for any clue to what might be concealed inside. Cologne, by the way, is not a good Christmas Eve present. That's a waste. So Christmas Eve, 7th grade, 1987 comes. I've been doing my gift analysis, and I had arrived at my decision. Christmas Eve came. Our tradition was to eat dinner. We would then sit in a small circle, engage in the reading of the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. That always took forever, right? Then we got to move to pick our one present from among many and open it. 
We finished Luke 2. I ran quickly to the tree. I snatched the one that I had ever so carefully selected. Now, that was a seemingly decisive action, but even with that, I was always watching my parents' reaction to see if they tipped their hand, if they revealed anything at all that would help me know whether my decision was a wise one or a poor one. Well, this night, 7th grade, 1987, when she saw my choice of gifts, my mom actually furled her brow. The furling of the brow meant one of two things. One, I had stumbled onto the mother load of all Christmas gifts, right? It either meant that I had landed, it landed the gift, you know how your parents usually got you that like one gift that towered miles above all the other ones. And by the expression on my mom's face, I knew I had chosen the mother load gift or I had chosen very, very poorly and mom knew that I would be utterly disappointed when I unwrapped that one. Then my mom, though, really, this didn't always happen, but that night she really weighed in. I don't think you'll want to open that one, she said. Why not? I shot back. I just think that that one would be better to open tomorrow. Then I knew I had found the mother load gift. After all, it was smallish, heavy, wrapped with incredible precision, every corner crisp and tight. It had to be something very expensive because after all, heavy things at Christmas time, I mean, they cost a lot, right? This time, I calculated with all of my seventh grade brilliance, mom was trying to head me off from being disappointed on Christmas Day when all I had to open then was terrible, ugly clothes. This was about to be the best Christmas Eve ever, I calculated. I defied my mother's counsel. I tore into that pristinely wrapped, heavy, neutral smelling gift. And as I ripped through the first layer of brightly colored paper, what peeked out from beneath the festive facade caused my heart to literally sink into my stomach. The words on the package sting me to this very day. Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary and Thesaurus. The compact set, thus the small size and very dense weight. The sight of those words plunged me from the heights of Mount Everest to the bottom of death. A dictionary. A thesaurus. I'm in seventh grade and my own parents think I'm a geek. Some fun Christmas Eve, this is going to be. Mom and Dad, I'm just going to retire to my room and I'm going to read the dictionary or the thesaurus. I had one shot. I had one shot to get the Christmas Eve open right and I missed it by like a margin of titanic proportions. I was so terribly disappointed, scarred permanently. Let me ask you this, anything like that ever happened to you? Let me answer for you because some of you are are lying. Of course it has. (laughs) Of course it has. How many of your hopes have failed to deliver anywhere near what was promised you? How many more of your expectations have you watched sputter and flop to the floor as if they were an untied balloon? (laughs) Remember that too-good-to-be-true, way-too-good-to-be-true boyfriend or girlfriend who ran, like plunged your heart through a meat grinder, made sausage out of your heart? Remember that sure-thing promotion that landed you in what you thought was supposed to be like fat heaven, but it ended just a few short months later with a layoff notice in your box because, well, your department had been outsourced? Or what about that move that you made? Remember the one? The one where you left home, left everything you knew, everyone you knew, and you set set out on a voyage, you called it, of self-discovery, and oh, how you discovered yourself. 
You discovered a rental that you could barely pay for. Discovered a loneliness you didn't even know existed. At the end of it all, you discovered that home wasn't really all that bad after all. Oh, how life has its disappointments. And so we come to a day like this, a time like this, and we ask this question, how am I supposed to believe this Jesus Christ, the one we hear so much about, especially on this day, how are we supposed to believe that he just won't be another one of those crushing disappointments, really? Like, can you really trust that he's going to deliver on every single thing that he promised? Right, a new quality of life right here, right now, eternal Life pledged at the conclusion of this life. Like, we shrug our shoulders and go, really? And I answer that question, yes, really. Yes, really. You can trust him. You can absolutely trust him. Look at First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, if you would. This is from the message version of the sacred text. First words, check this out. Because... Jesus was raised from the dead. Wait, the weight of those words. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. And we hear that verse, and there are a bunch of other ones just like it scattered all throughout the scriptures. And we come to that line, brand new life, and we go, really? Am I really just going to be disappointed again? And I gotta tell you, that's a really valid question. And it's a valid question because you know this, everybody and their dog is offering some new take on life, aren't they? Beer companies, they're brilliant at it. They say, drink our beer, and you'll see what life is really all about. You'll see what it's like to live real life. Like you watch the commercials and you look at their ads and you go like, they're not selling a beverage, they're selling like a whole new existence. Six-pack abs and all. I was doing research for this message and I went to the Miller Beer website. I have a really unique job. Wow. Miller, right? They're the ones after all that call their beer the high life. High Life Miller Beer. In order to access the Miller Beer website, you have to enter your birthday. They approve you to be 21. You have to prove them, tell them, you know, some made-up birthday that you're 21 so you can go into the website. After they've approved your birthday, grant you entry into their site, the button that you press to go onto the rest of the site, do you have any idea what it says? It says, start living. Right? Like, like this is beer, Right? It's just real overt what they're saying. They're proclaiming this message like, drink Miller beer, drink high life, and you're really living. And you're like, it's Miller. It isn't even good beer. (laughs) Maybe if it was a good beer, you could maybe try it. But are you telling me you guys know what it tastes like? (laughs) The nine o'clock, they don't. Until you drink Miller beer, you haven't really lived. That's their message, isn't it? It's just real overt, real in your face. Cosmetic companies, they do the same thing. They say, wear our products, smell like this, put this on your eyes, and you'll be a whole new you. And we're like, really? 
automobile companies, they're really good at this. They say, drive this car because this car is really living. And so because of this constant barrage of, quote, life-altering products the marketplace is always pitching to us, we're automatically skeptical of anyone or anything that offers us brand new life because we've been sucked in before, haven't we? We drank that beer, and life really didn't get any better. As a matter of fact, life might have got a whole lot worse in the wake of that experience. We tried that makeup, right? And by we, I mean you, because just for the record, I don't wear makeup. We tried that cologne, that perfume, and you're still the same. You, you put that on your eyes, and it's still you. Maybe even bought that car. Remember the one. And it was so cool, such a cool car for a while. But then, after some time, it's just a car. Four wheels, an engine, it takes you where you want to go. But when you get to your destination, it's still the same you who gets up out of the driver's seat and has to make the payment. We've been disappointed so many times before So when Jesus says, I'm offering you brand new life, we're going, I just, please don't let me be disappointed again. I just don't want to be disappointed again. Let me be very, very clear though. Please do not ever confuse the costume jewelry that marketers proffer to us with God's genuine article, Hope Diamond. Do not ever confuse the two. Because you see, this brand new life that Jesus invites you to right here, right now, today, it's the English translation of the Greek word zoe. Zoe means, look at this, life as God has it. Life as God has it. And God has some life, doesn't he? And this brand new life then that Jesus comes offering us right here, right now, today, it isn't anything about the length of your life. Instead, it becomes all about the quality, the vitality, the energy, the fulfillment of your life. The Zoe life that Jesus comes inviting you to into today, it's the genuine fulfillment of everything that we hope that drinking that beer, wearing that makeup, and driving that car will do, except none of that can do it, can they? Only Jesus can, only Jesus does. And we step back from all that and we go, how in the world does he do that? Here's how. He reconnects your soul with God. Get that. That's how Jesus does it. He reconnects your soul with God. And not just now, he reconnects your soul with God for all of eternity If you go back to very near the beginning of all time, God created the first two human beings. You likely know the story. Their names were Adam and Eve. What differentiated human beings from the rest of creation was that God made humanity with a soul. And so from the very first human beings, from Adam and Eve, all the way to the present day, God's been creating people, us, with souls. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 with me. This is in the creation account. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. And that's exactly what happened with all of us. We received the very breath of God himself breathed into us. He breathed his very life into you. He's the one who made you every single thing that you are. He's the one who made you a living person. That means that no matter what anyone has ever told you, you are not even close to being an accident. Not even close. 
And those words, living person, in the book of Genesis, they're translated from this really cool Hebrew word, nefesh. Nefesh literally means soul. God created us with souls. All of humanity have souls. We're different from every other living thing on the planet because God imbued us with a soul. He didn't just give a soul to any old creature. He saved them for us. Saved them for the crown jewel of his creation. He saved them for humanity. You all know that Steve Jobs is the iconic founder of Apple Computer. If you've read his biography, you probably recall him talking about the existence of God. While Jobs said he was only about 50-50 on belief in God, he, and I'm quoting here, he liked to think that something of you survives after you die. He went on to say, I want to think that it isn't just click and then you're gone. Which is why in his own words, he said, and I'm quoting again, he never liked to put on-off switches on Apple devices. And he's exactly right. He is entirely right. God made humanity, you and me, with a soul. And because we have that soul, it's never just click off and you're gone. The soul that God put inside of you, us, lives on long after the physical life on this planet is over. And our soul, please get this, please hear this. Our soul in its natural state, Our soul, if left to its own natural devices, watch this, it stands in opposition to God. Our soul by itself, as we're born, stands in opposition to God. But that is not how it's always been. Shortly after he created them, God said these words to Adam and Eve, the first humans from Genesis 2, 16 and 17. But the Lord God warned him, that's Adam, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, this idyllic setting, the Garden of Eden. And God says, have at this place except this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And you know how the story goes, don't you? Adam and Eve, they defied God. They mowed down on that fruit. And two things happened. Their physical bodies eventually died, absolutely. Second, their spiritual life died instantaneously. Like that. Spiritual life, dead. That means in just an instant, they went from being God's closest friends to their souls opposing him. Every single thing changed. Genesis 3, 9 and 10. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? This is after they had eaten the fruit. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, and so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Everything special that God had with Adam and Eve ceased in an instant. They became separated from him. And that separation went very, very far. Genesis 3.23, look what happened. So the Lord God, strong word, banished, banished them from the garden of Eden. And since that very day, you and I, all of humanity, we've been living outside of the gates of the garden ever since. Our souls standing in opposition to God, our eternal destiny headed not toward God, rather away from God, headed to a forever spent apart from him. And we know to the depths of our being that things are not as they were meant to be. We feel it. 
That's why we so often grab hold of the counterfeit life. We grab hold of the costume jewelry, all those things the marketers proffer to us because we're trying to get back to the garden. All we find, though, is a deeper disconnection from God, cascading disappointment again and again and again. But about 2,000 years ago, onto the scene comes a man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, Son of God. And this man, this Jesus, he made his entire life, he even made his death all about reconnecting our souls with God for all of eternity. And his invitation is right here. Hear it again, 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. So you see, Jesus Christ came to reinstate you and me, to reinstate all of humanity to Garden of Eden status. Because he lived, because he died in our place on the cross, paying the penalty we all deserved, there doesn't have to be any more running from God. And some of us are, aren't we? Because Jesus died in our place, because he took our penalty, there doesn't have to be any more hiding out from God like some of us try to do. Because Jesus died in our place, because he took our penalty, there doesn't have to be any more living on the outskirts of the life God intended for you. Jesus says, come on, come on. Let me breathe my very life into your flatlined life. And how many of us, if we're honest, we would say, that is the perfect description of my life. Flatline. And you've been trying maybe for a long, long time to try to jumpstart your heart through every means you can think of. Drinking the high life, that didn't do it, of course. Wearing that makeup, that cologne, that perfume. Getting that surgery, maybe even. That didn't do it either. Buying that car, it is the same story again and again and again. No go. So many of us, we've tried it all and have found just more and more and more disappointment. Mounting disappointment and Jesus says let me breathe my life into your flatlined life in the face of everything that we've tried to engage in to try to resuscitate our flatlined hearts and lives Jesus offers stands it's right here it stands to this day because Jesus was raised from the dead we've been given brand new life have everything to live for including a future in heaven and the future starts now. Everyone else, they're just peddling costume jewelry. Jesus is the one who's offering us what no one else can. He actually offers to connect us to him, to his power, to his father, connect us to the God of the universe forever and ever, the connection that your soul and mine was made for from the very beginning of all time. And you pick up from that first Peter text how that connection is made possible It's right there. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. You know what proves that Jesus isn't going to disappoint you with his offer of a brand new life when so many others have let you down? You know what proves that Jesus really is in the business of resuscitating flatlined hearts and flatlined lives? It's this one truth. He's done it before. He's done it before. And he did it with his very own life. He is, first line of the text, raised from the dead. He lives. He lives. You can absolutely trust him. 
You can trust that he isn't going to be just another in a long list of disappointments in your life. You can trust him because he didn't stay dead. He's alive. He's alive. You can trust him. What's true beyond the shadow of any doubt is that your life and mine is going to end. Survey says that 100 out of 100 people are going to die. It's inevitable. And have you ever thought about this truth? Jesus has been to the grave. Jesus has been to the grave. As one guy says very profoundly, and he didn't just go as a visitor, did he? He was there as an actual corpse. He was buried there. He was numbered among the dead. Heart silent, lungs vacant, body wrapped, grave sealed. He's been to the cemetery. He's been buried there. And none of us have been there yet. But our day's coming, isn't it? And because that's true, wouldn't we be better off to go with someone who knows his way out of there? 2 Timothy 1.10 He, that's Jesus, destroyed death. That's what this day's all about. He destroyed death death and through the good news he showed us the way to have life that cannot be destroyed there's the invitation brand new life it's true the future really does start right now it's true you won't be disappointed it's true he lives it's absolutely true invite you to take your stuff if you would and set it aside and I just invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads and just move into a quiet time of prayer and contemplation with God just invite you to think about some of the things that we've been talking about here together ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed if you would and I'm just going to talk into this time for just a few moments I'm going to say this line again your future really does start now every single person on planet earth was made by God you included And you were made by God with a soul. And your soul is going to live forever. Think about that. Forever. Which when you add all that up, that means that this world and its trappings, everything that goes on around here is just a blip, literally, a blip on the radar screen of your entire existence. God might choose to give you a gift of 60, 70, 80, maybe 90 some years if you're really lucky to live. But that's just living on the planet. Your soul is going to live on forever. And here's what's real weighty about that. Based on the decisions that you make during the course of your life here on the planet, those decisions determine whether your soul goes on to live with God forever or goes on to live apart from God forever. It's just that simple. It's that weighty. And please remember, if you leave your soul to its own devices, 
It's automatically destined to spend forever apart from God. It opposes God. That's because of Adam and Eve's sin. We're tainted by it. Every person in the world is tainted by it. But God loves you. Even in the midst of your deepest, darkest sin, God loves you. Which means that your soul spending forever apart from him, that's not his desire for you. His desire is for you and me, every person on the planet, to live with him right here, right now, starting today. He actually longs to give you that Zoe brand new life today. The life that he made you for. And so the same invitation that Jesus has been making for some 2,000 years, it stands. And he's making it right here, right now, to you today. He's inviting you home. He's saying, come home to me. Let me do what only I can do. Reconnect your soul to God. Starting now and extending forever. Now, God's gift of salvation, it is a free gift, but it comes really at a price to us. And I want to be right up front about this. Because when you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that means you're putting some things down. He's saying, if you step into a relationship with me, you're putting down your allegiance to yourself. You're putting down your allegiance to your success and to your money and to your physical pleasure and to building your own personal empire you think is going to take care of you forever. He's inviting you to give up all the stuff that rules your life today. He's saying, put it down. Bend your knee to me. Make Jesus your one and only king. Devote your complete, total allegiance to him. And he says, come on. Let me breathe my life into your flatlined life and I'll give you a joy that is unspeakable. You can spend forever on my side, Jesus says. And he's making that invitation to you right here, right now, today. Put down all that other stuff, all of your attempts to be good enough, smart enough, strong enough to try to bridge your way to God. Put it down. And Jesus says, let me give you the life that I made you for. Let me reconnect your soul with God. I'm the only one that can. And if that's the desire of your heart today, you can take that step of faith in God. You can do it by praying along with me a prayer that goes something like this. God, I repent. I turn from my sin. And Jesus, today I'm coming home. I'm tired, God, of my soul opposing you. And I receive the gift that Jesus came to give me, his forgiveness that could only come through his death, burial, and resurrection in my place. Thank you for setting me free from life and eternity apart from you, God. I give you my heart. I give you my everything. Wash me, make me new, make me whole. I'm yours, Jesus, and I love you. And if you prayed with me just then, if you're stepping into faith in Jesus Christ today for the first time, That is the biggest decision of your whole life. And it's such a big deal that I want to acknowledge that decision with you today. 
This is a real personal moment. Nobody's looking around this room. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. It's just me, you, and God right now. If you prayed with me just then to give your heart and life to Jesus, would you be really bold right now and just lift your hand high and lock eyes with me and just say, yes, I'm stepping into life in Christ today. Brand new life. Yeah, right there. Yes, absolutely. And there, yes. And there, absolutely. There, yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, you, yes brand new life make sure I catch your eye with both of you in the back oh yes absolutely yes you're coming home in the back yes absolutely yes yeah yes brand new life Zoe life Jesus for these who are stepping into life in you for the very first time we celebrate with the angels in heaven God we rejoice that the day of salvation has come for these today God we ask that you would surround these with your presence you would use us to get around them help them root in with you God, we pray that the Zoe new life that they have stepped into, that it would be tangible as they go out those doors today. The stuff would be different. Stuff would be changed. Stuff would be new. That you would make it easy for them to put down the stuff that's kept them for you for a long time, some of them. Jesus, and then the rest of us, we just say thank you so much for the life that you died to give us. Thank you so much for the life that you were raised to give us. We don't take that for granted ever, ever. And it's our heart, God, that we would be distributors of that life, that we would partner up with you in helping connect souls with you for all of eternity. Set us, God, on that mission, please. Don't let us just sit. Don't let us just show up for church on weekends. Don't let us just be passive about this faith in you. Engage our hearts. Compel us to your mission, please, Jesus. That's why we're here. That your kingdom would come on earth just as it is in heaven. May we help you. May we partner with you in bringing your kingdom. You're the best, Jesus. We worship you with our whole lives. They're yours. It's in your name we pray. Everyone agreed and said, amen. So the band's going to lead us in this fantastic song. It's called Because He Lives. If you've been around the church for a few decades, you might recognize this. This is from the Bill and Gloria Gaither days. Some of you might know who those guys are. This spectacular song that really sort of declares this truth that with Christ, stuff is different. Right? You don't just go out those doors and it isn't just the same. Stuff's different. Stuff is switched up inside of you. There's courage. There's newness. There's boldness. Because there's a lot of uncertainty that's flinging at us. Right? There's a lot of stuff we're just like, how are we going to? I'm scared to death of that. But because he lives, you can face that. Because Jesus didn't stay dead, there's courage and there's boldness and there's endurance and there's perseverance. So as we sing this song, like declare this to God because you live God I can face tomorrow step by step by step 
by step.